Go to sleepymonkeytrainingacademy.com to turn your pain into power. Get yourself some sandbags or some weight vests or some cool fitness apparel at freedomstrength.us. Go to freedomstrength.us. When you make your purchase, use the discount code SMN10 to receive your discount. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Steel Mace Nation podcast. Today, my guest is Dr. Sarah Asadorian. And she uses steel mace as part of her uh, physical therapy practice. You can check out her Instagram and follow her over there. She has a, a great Instagram that actually I find myself smiling a lot when when I'm, I'm watching it. And uh, that's a good sign. That means that she's got some good energy coming off. She has great videos that you steel mace people would love to see. Uh, like with tips for back health, foot health, shoulder health, breath work, correcting faulty movement patterns, you name it. She's got a ton of stuff on there, a lot of content. She also does live videos where you can ask her questions. Dr. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. And uh, do you get a lot of people asking you questions about the Steel Mace? Hey, Fred. Yeah. Thank you for having me. First of all, hey, Steel Mace Nation. Happy to be here. And uh yeah, I get a lot of feedback when I when I post anything or when I talk to my patients in clinic um, about any of the unconventional med uh, movements that I do here in my clinic. It's like they they eat it up because it's new and it's different, and uh, it, they it's likely you know not something they've ever seen or heard of before. And um, you know something that I emphasize here in my clinic is doing things differently, right? Getting the brain knowing that the brain will get activated. Um, when you introduce something new, you know, I, I, I always like to do things a little bit differently just to, um, inspire the nervous system to do a little bit, uh, you know, do things a little bit differently and a little bit better. Yeah. What is that? Um, I, I think a lot of steel mace people get that, you know, they, they get introduced to steel mace and they're like, the first thing is it's just different and they yeah. love it. And they just love that. It's something new. What's going on there that people get stuck on that uh they when they like they have resistance against doing anything new um i think it's just all in there anyone anytime anyone resists something new or different it's you know we i mean this can be applicable to a, a lot of different things but i think fear <laughs> fear of the unknown right and not necessarily um understanding something that's uh, unfamiliar, right? That that having that safety net of familiarity um, is comforting, right? So when you're faced with anything new and different, it's unfamiliar. It's like uncharted territory, and it's like your in, your initial response is going to be fight or flight. Like, am I going to fight against this thing? Am I going to run away from it? I'm going to avoid it altogether. Um, so I think a lot of it is just you know not necessarily having that willingness to jump into that unknown and unfamiliar, and um, you know. For, for folks that have been working out or moving in a certain way for so long, for probably the majority of their life, you know, introducing something new and different that challenges everything that they've known or everything that they've done is, it's a little uncomfortable. So 
Um, but at the same time, your brain loves it. You know, when, when there's something new and different, it's like, it lays down some new neural pathways and it's like, you know, it's exciting. Yeah, that, yeah. that it is. It, uh, it feels just like you're a kid again, a little bit, you're playing, makes mm -hmm. you feel, um, just awake, you know, kind of like alert. And like you said, uh, when you have, uh, I think this was in one of your posts, uh, that I read, um, going back on your grid a bit, you, you mentioned a safety net being, um, a, a, not a problem, but getting rid of safety nets is a great way to advance yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. But uh, it's fear, right? It's fear that we're dealing with, even if it's well, the tiniest yeah. bit I mean, of fear. It's, it's very much fear-based, um, you know, and, and there, there's a difference between safety and familiarity, right? A lot of times the things that are familiar aren't necessarily safe, but our nervous systems and our egos perceive them as being safe because it's something that we've done, you know, for, for so long. Right. Like the, the best example I can give is like someone who's sedentary, someone who's, you know, on the couch playing video games, binging, binging Netflix. And now all of a sudden, maybe they want to start making lifestyle changes. They want to start eating better and getting up and be more active. Well, that active lifestyle is very unfamiliar to them because they, what they've done for so long is they've sat down. Right. They haven't they haven't gone to exert themselves or, you know, uh, and so that those healthy behaviors, right? Those, the activity and the cleaning up the diet, though, those are probably more, uh, you know, they lean more towards the safe component in terms of, you know, health and, and performance and all the things, but to them, it's unfamiliar. So it's like their nervous system is, is going to shy away from it. They're going to fight against adopting these new behaviors because of that familiarity of inactivity. So, so that's fear. It's fear, and and yeah, and it's it's a nervous system thing, right? All yeah. everything, um, you know. Ultimately, you have to let go of your ego. You have to let go of things like anger and fear and resentment and all those egoic type of protective uh, responses to allow yourself to dump, like to dive to dive into the unknown, something that is unfamiliar. Because um, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of wisdom. There's a lot of unknown right? In that unfamiliar things that you've never seen before, things that you've never experienced. And um, I think a lot of times people cling to what they know. They, they cling to the familiarity, thinking it's safe. And a lot of times it, it, that gets in their way of achieving greatness, you know, achieving a lot of things that, you know, they probably never knew they were, they, they were capable of. So. Uh, that's a good point. So yeah. now I noticed you were very good with Indian clubs and um, you're moving them well. Uh, I wonder how you learned. Did you teach yourself or did you go to somebody? And what? how did you get involved in rotational fitness and how did you overcome your little moment of fear? Yeah, you know, um, well, when it comes to movement, um. I wouldn't say I have a whole lot of fear and just with what I do here, like um, you mentioned physical therapy at the beginning. I'm actually an acupuncturist. I, I uh, my doctoral degree is in acupuncture. My undergrad degree is in athletic training and uh, kinesiology. Um, so for me, like I like to do everything differently. You know, I'm taking an approach to sports medicine from a completely different angle with acupuncture. So it didn't really take a whole lot of, um, you know, persuasion to get me into Indian clubs and maces and all the unconventional movement. I just, I kind of have this natural affinity 
to, to take the path less traveled. And, you know, um, the way, the, where that I learned, I started um, working with Indian clubs. It was actually a course um, that I took from uh, Gray Cook from functional movement systems. I don't know if you're familiar with the FMS systems, but. I know um, who they are. Yeah. Yeah. So Gray Cook and uh, Brett Jones, they put together a really amazing Indian club course um, at functionalmovementsystems.com. If you guys want to go check that out. Um, but they get into the basics, you know, the, just, you know, the grip and, and, um, you know, some, just some of the basic patterns of Indian clubs and they, um, integrated it with a lot of the FMS, uh, protocols, right. And, and the fundamentals, as far as the, you know, functional movement system, uh, you know, retraining patterns and things like that. So like the chops and lifts and, uh, things like that. So I learned about Indian clubs through that course. And it was an online course and uh, it was it was incredible. And it was really easy for me to start practicing for my own benefit. Um, but it's something that I've um, started working with my clients here, with my patients here at clinic and they're loving it. I work with a lot of um, active adults and uh, some professional athletes also. And, um, you know, a lot of times they just do it. They're doing like repetitive movements in the gym. Like they're doing the same type of movements all yeah. the time, you know, squats, deadlifts, pull-ups, push-ups. Like those are great, like great exercises, but like you need to deviate a little bit off of, you know, the, the beaten path a little bit to, to keep your body functioning. Right. Um, and, and to start laying down some other and new, um, movement patterns and neural pathways in your brain. So Indian clubs, I love for that. Yeah, and you integrate breath work. In this one video, you were saying, oh, they're only one pound, but if yeah. you use proper breath work, and then you were doing great movement. I mean, uh, like, oh, I'm like, oh, wow, she knows what she's doing. Um, I, a lot of people can't, you know, do two things, you know, like use both hands at the same time. Right. And then, and then kind of rotate, right? So that's, uh, you're moving well. And yeah. um, I'm like, yes, the breath work, that is so big, you know, because we're not swinging heavy, heavy clubs and mace all the time. It's usually kind of on the lighter side. Yeah. So how do you, how do you really get some benefit out of it? It would be by drilling it with, with breath work, correct? Yeah. It's breath work is huge. Uh, you know, breath work is really a big component. In, in my clinic, it's, it's the first thing that I do with my patients. Every single person that walks through this door, the very first thing we do is breathe. And the reason I, I think breath is one of the best ways to reconnect with your body on all three levels. And what I mean by that is not just the physical body. Like a lot of times in, in fitness and in, you know, conventional sports medicine clinics, like we just focus on, you know, physical body, right? Tissue and, you know, but we can't discount the other two aspects of the body, which are the emotional and spiritual bodies. And with breath, that is, that is probably the most underutilized self-care tool that everybody has. And it's really more like a superpower because it gets everything aligned um, together, right? And so when you slow down and connect with your breath, like breath is, is it's everything in movement. And with Indian clubs in particular, they're so light. You know, I use one and two pound uh, Indian clubs. And so in order for it to feel good and, you know, to move through these, uh, these patterns, you have to be able to let go of tension in your body. 
You know, you have to allow the club, that, that, that end-loaded club, to do a lot of the work. If you muscle your way through these swings and these, you know, these arm circles and, and, and things with, with a light implement like an Indian club, it's not going to feel good. It's not going to feel smooth. It's going to feel clunky, you know? And so when you breathe and you sink your breath with your movement, you're able to let go of tension in your system and really flow with it. And it's not easy to do. Right. You know, large majority of the population, you know, we're all go, go, go. Yeah. We're all like uptight and tense and we're just, just kind of hammering through our day. And so to, to allow yourself to let go is really hard for a lot of people. Um, and it just takes practice. And then another thing about Indian clubs being so light, you can do a lot of reps without, you know, fatiguing. So, you know, drilling, you know, one side and then drilling the other to make sure that what you're feeling in your body from one side to the other is the same, is symmetrical. That's important. And yeah. in order to do that, you might need to do a few more reps on the left side versus the right or vice versa, depending on your dominant side. Right. Yeah. Um, I notice sometimes when I'm switching from one side to the other, I'm not moving as well on that side for some reason. Sometimes it's my left. Sometimes it's right. Like today before the podcast i was i was doing my swings outside and i noticed mm -hmm. i was doing some great stuff with my left which is not really my stronger side so i'm yeah. a right-handed person and i'm like boy my left is really firing well but my right is a little clunky you know so i just worked on my right side a little bit more perfect yeah slow down breathe breathe into it slow down the movement so like if you if you moved too fast through the movement, you're gonna miss your you know your blind spots or those little places where you know there's a little bit of disconnect or a little bit of um, lack of awareness, I should say, right? So if you're going through a full arc and you're moving so quickly, you're gonna blow right past it. Yeah. So slowing down and breathing and just really feeling what's happening in your body will help you smooth that out. And yeah, there's uh, a lot of space from here to there and if you're just trying to get from here to there you're forgetting about everything in between right yeah every little inch every little segment of the movement matters and there might be a little weight shift there might be a you know um you know something in your posture there might be something in your breath there might be you know a compensation pattern somewhere that you're not conscious of and if you move too fast through it you're gonna miss it you know no. so slowing down and breathing is is really important and and when you do acupuncture, you're 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 also having them breathe, right? Absolutely. Now I'm not used to this. I, where are you located? I'm in uh, Chandler, Arizona, just okay. outside. Of I know some states have different like laws. They allow certain things. Like when I go to acupuncturists in New Jersey, I get acupuncture. Yeah, that's it. And it never dawned on me, like what you're doing. I you know I mistakenly thought you were a physical therapist because yeah, I see these okay. videos where you're working with people yeah. and doing physical stuff, not somebody just laying there getting acupuncture. And I wasn't used to seeing that. And I think how great this is because you're, uh, you're this is more of a holistic approach where you're attacking an issue from multiple things, not just using acupuncture, but you're also using breath work. You're also having people swing a mace or a club or do something with bands or yeah. stretching that's really cool. And this also reminds me of, a, of a, one of your more current videos I watched, which I thought this was great. You had a guy on a table. You were applying acupuncture to his left leg. Yes. And you were talking about how you were actually treating his right shoulder. 
Yes. And you were explaining how there's this, well, there's a reason which you could explain because I'll just screw it up. But this also, uh, well, that's as far as I'm going to say, but here's my question, which might not be great. This might be a total flop because sometimes my imagination gets ahead of me. So part of your answer, you explain why that is, that that works that way. But Mm -hmm. my question really is, if a person has an injured left knee or Mm -hmm. left ankle, something's wrong with their left leg, can swinging a five, 10, or seven pound steel mace with one arm on their right side help in the rehab of that left leg? I can't, I can't say, see why not. Absolutely. Wow. We are onto something here. Yeah. Why not? Explain what that is. Explain why that works that way. Well, just from a functional standpoint, um, your brain will pair your right limb with the opposite side limb, right? So the right leg will be paired functionally with the left leg, right? So when you walk, when you run, your, you know, your, your fist pump and your knee drive will go together, right? So they'll both go into flexion essentially and vice versa. So your, your brain will work in the, in opposition. Now, the style of acupuncture that I practice um, is distal needling. And there's two kind of styles that go together. They're called balance method and master tongue, T-U-N-G, master tongue style acupuncture. And these are, you know, these are styles of acupuncture that that have been around for hundreds of years, right? Um, And there's a lot of different styles of acupuncture too. That's something that not everybody knows. And so when you mentioned that all the acupuncturists near where you are in New Jersey, you know, practice a certain way, um, and that's okay. It doesn't mean it's not, it's better. It's not, you know, as good as what I do, or it's, it's just different. And, right. and the practitioners bring their own style to it, right. Their own flavor. My background just happens to be in sports medicine. Um, you know, and so, you know, I implement a lot of that into my practice, but the style of, of acupuncture that I practice, um, what it does really is it pairs with the nervous system and, and uses this concept, this knowing that, you know, your right arm paired with your, your left leg, that, that's a nervous system thing, right? So like, if you look at the structure, if you look at like a humerus and a femur side by side, right, these bones, the upper arm bone and the upper leg bone, they look almost identical, right? These are what we call homologous structures, right? Homologous meaning structures that look like other structures in the body, right? So if we look at a humerus and a femur, put them up side by side, they're almost identical. One's just smaller than the other one, right? This one's, you know, the the humerus is made for movement. The femur is more made for weight bearing, you know? And if we keep going down the limb, like imagine like what's on the other end of that bone is a hinge joint in the knee and the, in the elbow, Right. So we see a lot of these patterns, these homologous structures throughout the body. And what we know about your nervous system is that whenever something is hurt or injured, the very first thing your your nervous system is going to do is protect it from getting any worse. That's just a fight. That's a sympathetic fight or flight response. That's protection. So for in that example, in my post, you know, I was, you know, commenting on, you know, the shoulder being injured and I'm using the leg. Well, yeah, we know that your brain is going to protect the shoulder from getting any worse, right? It's going to protect an injured or injured or, or vulnerable area. That's a nervous system thing. Um, and we know also that your brain will pair this limb with the opposite limb. So it's just, it, it's, it, it's kind of common sense. It makes sense to needle 
a structure that's associated with this, that your brain cares with this injured area, but not necessarily introduce more, um, you know, or potential threat, something that could be perceived as a potential threat, like a needle into this uh, injured area, right? Because oh. your brain doesn't automatically know that this needle is here to help. So if I take a needle and I go directly into a point of pain, well, the first thing your nervous system is going to do is protect against it. Like here's the sharp object that's going directly into a vulnerable area. I don't like that. But over the course of time and repetition of treatments, eventually your nervous system will catch on and it'll trust it. But the style that I practice, and again, it's it's you it's taking what we know about your nervous system and how it works and, and using it to our advantage. So we know that this will be protected. We know that your opposite limb is associated functionally. So why not needle into an area that doesn't have pain? Yeah. Right. That way we partner with your nervous system. We're all in this together. I'm not forcing your nervous system to do what I want it to do. I'm just encouraging it to do what it does naturally, just kind of like by the side door, you know? So I'm, I'm, I'm putting some stimulus, I'm putting some needles in an area that's not painful, right? In an area that's, that's not vulnerable, but that's associated with that injured area. So initially, like right away, we get, we get uh, a response. Just if, if you go and look at that post, I use that Newton's cradle, that, that uh, you know, the, the platform with the five balls hanging down, you drop one, you know, you right. pull one back, right? And that transfer of energy happens instantly. So when I have patients on the table and I, you know, I'm treating any kind of pain, right? I'll insert the needle in somewhere that's far away from the point of pain and they'll get instant results. We'll get instant feedback, you know? Um, so it's, it's, it's really more about understanding how your nervous system works and using it to your advantage. That's really the basis of my practice is like, how can I partner with your body and encourage it to do what it does naturally? And I think movements like Indian clubs or maces or steel clubs or what, whatever it is, it's like being in your body and allowing your body to move in ways that it wants to move in ways that feel good is really healing. You know, it, it, it brings a lot of um, relief into the system as a whole. And so I think that's one of the reasons why people love this style of movement so much is, is because it just, it feels good. Yeah. You know, it keeps them in the body. Yeah. And what you're saying is, is holistic, the whole approach, right? So you're, yeah. you're sort of like um, a detective, right? And you, you have clues you have to work with, right? Yeah. And then you like like you said, okay, this guy has a damaged shoulder. He's gonna, he's probably gonna be tense. He's probably gonna protect it. So I'm gonna be a little sneaky here, and I'm gonna just uh, yeah. Now that sounds like you're thinking, and your slogan is "Think less, feel more." So yes. what? Now I like to think, and I don't. I don't know if I like your slogan. So tell me why. Yeah. Tell well, me why we need to think less and feel more. Feel more. So that's it's 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 more. Um, you know, we can yes, think right. Make make decisions from an educated place, right? Um, we we have to understand how the nervous system works, right? So, like for me, I I've been studying anatomy, physiology, 
for my the entirety of my education and, and career, right? So it's so when I say think less, feel more, I just I want people to think less about like, oh, am I doing this right? Is my, you know, is my posture correct? Yeah. You know, as you know, because when you think before you feel, you're actually like you're you're subjecting yourself to something else, like somebody else's standards, right? right. And that may not jive with your body. So if you have quote perfect posture in a squat, like let's say, um, but it doesn't feel good, it doesn't feel strong, it doesn't feel grounded. Well, something is you're not working in alignment. So when I say think less, feel more, it's it's more about just trusting what your body is telling you. Think, get out of your head. Don't think about like all these different strategies. Let go, right? Because we're in a society where we're always just thinking. We're go go go. Yeah. It doesn't mean don't study. It doesn't mean don't educate yourself. Um, you know, because we we need to act more from you know educated you know places. Otherwise, we just do what we're told, right? And that doesn't quite work out all, all the time. So trust your instincts, trust your body, listen to what it's saying. And you do that through feeling. Yeah. Right. So, so, so be educated, right? So think, yes, study, yes, but apply those, those things from a place of feedback. Let your body guide you. You know, to li listen to what your body is saying. That's, that's really more of, along the lines of what I mean by think less and feel more. Get yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's great. And um, it makes me think of the time, a long time ago, I went and took golf lessons. Mm -hmm. And uh, the the guy teaching me was just like, stop thinking about it and just hit the ball. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I'm thinking about all the positions, the starting position, the ending position. He's like, just mm -hmm. hit the ball. And this actually, as a steel mace coach, when I teach the 360, you see people thinking they're yeah. thinking, well, what if it hits my butt? What if it hits my leg? What if it, and it's all this thinking going on. And it's like, just do it. Just, just stop. Do just do it. Just go, go, go. And you got to get them just to stop thinking. And it's like, once, once mm -hmm. they do that, their eyes light up because they, they did it, but they realized they just kind of carefree went into it. Absolutely. Yeah. So that Now that is interesting because we're talking about just sort of, letting go. But I also, uh, this segue is into my next question, which I, I took off of something you were mentioning on Instagram. Go to adxclub.com to purchase a steel mace or a steel club that's adjustable made right here in the United States. Um, uh, moving with intent. Okay, and you, you did a video talking about how moving with intent helps people get out of pain. So now are we contradicting ourselves, which is perfectly fine because we live in that kind of world where we're always, you know, there's dichotomy to everything. But uh, what do you mean by that? And, and how, does that, how does that work for us? Yeah, move, move with intent. What are, you, what are you trying to accomplish through your movement? Oh. Right, like think about you know, what's your desired outcome? What are you trying to accomplish? What, do, what is your purpose for moving? What's your purpose in life, right? <laughs> that too, wow. like, this is transferable to everything. Like, what are you doing and why are you doing it? You know, like an, an example, somebody that I'll, I'll keep, I'll go back to oh, this example of someone who wants to lose weight, right? A lot of people that are into fitness um, or, you know, they, some people get to that point because they want to lose weight, right? They want to feel good and better in their body. 
And if that's the goal, weight loss, if that's the goal, but what you're doing, what actions you're taking is, you know, you get on an elliptical or you get, you know, for an hour or you get on a bike or you just get on a treadmill and just walk for an hour. Well, your actions probably aren't optimally aligning with what your desired outcome is. So what are you doing and why are you doing it? Right. So that person that wants to lose weight, like get off the treadmill, get off the, the elliptical for an hour and start moving some weights, start strength training, right? Cause that's going to align a lot better with what you're trying to accomplish. Um, so move with intent. It's like, be crystal clear on what you're trying to accomplish and what your priorities are. And then, and then everything will fall into in, in alignment, right? You have to understand what are you doing and why are you doing it? Like, that's, it's huge. Otherwise, you're just kind of flailing, and who knows if you'll ever get to your goal. Yeah, I guess if you don't know why you're doing something, you don't you don't even know how to check if you're doing yeah. it right, right? And then a lot of times people get upset that they don't meet their goal, they don't get the results that they want. What were your results though? Like, what 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 do you want your results to be? Is the exactly. question? Yeah. Yeah. What are your priorities? What are your goals? And, you know, what, what is it that you want to accomplish? And how are you aligning with that? Everything. Like, get everything in alignment to support the, the desired outcome. And so moving with intent also means, like, be present in your body. It kind of gets, gets back to that think less, feel more thing. Moving with intent, you know, you also, you have to be aware of what your body is capable of. What are your abilities? How much mobility do you have? What's your stability like? What's your balance and coordination like? You know, a lot of times people completely disconnect from their body and they focus on things like the clock or counting how many reps they're doing in a certain amount of time. That's a complete disconnect from their body. So moving with intent, first, what are we accomplishing? What's the whole purpose of, you know, this, this movement? Why are we doing what we're doing? And how does it feel when you're doing it? Are you, does it feel good in your body? Does it feel in alignment? Or is you just kind of, you know, again, placing your attention on an external source and trying to meet standards placed on you by an external factor or standard? So when your clients come in, you say you do breathing with them first, and this is how you get them pulled into their body. You pull them into their yes. physical realm. Yeah. And they're emotional and spiritual too, right? Because, um, you know, the physical body is really just a, it's a vessel for our other two bodies, right? The non-substantial, the, the unseen aspects of our body, the spiritual and emotional, yeah. right? And when I say spiritual, I don't want to scare anybody away. I don't mean, you know, I, I, I don't mean like, I mean, I can go down to woo-woo town, you know, I can definitely go down that train, but spiritual, what I mean is more like, who are you and what are you here for? What's your purpose? What, what are you passionate about? You know, what's, what's, why are you here? Uh, you know, um, something too, like I was an athlete, I was a competitive athlete in my younger years. Right. So there was a time where I had to make that transition from competitive athlete to now professional. And that's a completely different lifestyle. That is a completely different thing, <laughs> right. A way of living. And so for the entirety of my life up until that point, I was an athlete. I was known to my peers in the world as this person who was an athlete. What so did now you compete in? 
Uh, I was I, I I played softball in college, and I growing up I played competitively both soccer and softball. Okay. Uh, yeah. Nice. So, you know, I was fortunate enough to have you know earned a scholarship to play in, in a Division One college program, which you know grateful for that. Um, you know, and but once that was all over, once my competition days were over, it's like that spiritual question of okay, well now who am I? How is the world going to perceive me now? How do I show up in the world? So when I say spiritual, I don't necessarily mean you have to go down the path of, you know, woo-woo, right? I certainly can. If you want to go there, we can talk about that stuff. But it's more along the lines of who are you? What do you care about? How do you impact the community? What are you bringing to the table? How, how are you impacting the world, you know? Uh, yeah. And how does the world perceive you? That's what I mean about spiritual. Like, who are you and what are you here for? Yeah, I get the, I get what you're saying uh, in terms of spiritual. Spiritual is like this essence, this thing that's, um, you know, when you look at a regular animal, you think, do they have spirit or are they just kind of firing off on a chemical level? And then you look at humans and, you know, we have language, we, we have music and art. Uh, we talk about physical fitness. <laughs> emotions right yes we cry we get angry you don't see a deer getting angry at anything at least not that i know of but right. there's something else to us absolutely and i think like when you think about your placement here on earth at this time that we get and the impact you want to leave behind that impact like what do they say uh leave a, a dent on the universe right that's like your spiritual impact it lives beyond you yeah Something that lives beyond you. So you have a purpose here mm -hmm. and it's, you're just not going through uh, something and it's just like you're watching a, a show just to pass the time. No, right. you're, this is your show. You're the star, right? Yep. yep. So now coming up as an athlete, I guess all this uh, talk of purpose really must've been something you were hearing from your coaches, right? Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, all the sports that I played were team sports, right? And, you know, when you're on a team sport, you have a role to play. You know, in yeah. college, I played second base, right? So nobody else was playing second base but me, Yeah. right? So I had a role. I had to show up for my teammates. I had to show up and contribute to the collective in a certain way, you know? And that way was a little bit different than my teammates, right? Than my pitcher, my center fielder, right? Like, we all have a role to play. We all have a purpose and we all contribute to the collective goal in our own ways. And um, so I think just life is very much like that too. Like I have a role to play, you know, and, and how, how in tune I am with my own purpose and my own spirituality impacts that. So when you have clients coming in and you're doing breath work, you're also asking them like probably like more personal questions like how's how's your emotions today right Absolutely. you're yeah. so you're going to get a gauge and and how does that help you work on them well it's it, it will influence their nervous system for sure that's i mean ultimately the nervous system is what we're trying to influence anyway any anytime you come in for treatment it's we're going to influence your nervous system in a certain way um and something too is you know emotion and repressed emotion, right? Emotions that haven't been allowed to fully express, they're all stored in here. Your nervous system will take them and, you know, put them away somewhere. Yeah. 
you know, and what breath work does. And I recently became certified in somatic breath work in particular, if you're familiar with uh, somatic breath work. But soma means of the body. And when you breathe, it's like I, I, I describe breath kind of like an energetic highlighter. Right. So as you breathe in and you breathe out, it's like your breath goes through and highlights all the areas of your body that you don't necessarily know are carrying stress and tension and emotion. And so a lot of times people come in with pain, you know, again, we're going to breathe, but I'm going to do a physical assessment. I'm going to, you know, address their physical body. But if there's lingering pain that doesn't get any better with all the physical modalities, I'm now going to start talking about emotion and, you know, potential, you know, traumatic events that have happened in their lives, because that effect gets stored in your body. It's kind of like, like your computer stores like data and cookies, right? I don't really understand technology, but in, in that, you know, in that way, but it's, it's very much the same way. Your brain will kind of take this thing and just store it somewhere. And your breath will highlight all of that. And um, a lot of times pain that is uh, lingering, very much has roots in the physical, or excuse me, in the um, in the emotional and spiritual bodies. So breath allows us to really tap into that and allow that expression to come out. Yeah, and I suppose that it makes your job easier to get a person to at least, like if they got something really negative on their mind, usually if you just talk about it, 50% of it goes away. Like you feel better just letting somebody yeah. in on your like little negative episode. A lot of people don't want to talk about their bad yeah. day or what argument yeah. they had with their spouse. And, yeah. and when they unload, they feel a little bit better. Now you could get in there and start working on them. And Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm actually glad you brought that up because one thing I want to highlight is that like people have a bad day or they have quote bad emotions and emotions aren't bad, right? They're intense. They make us feel, you know, either uh, it's either enjoyable or not enjoyable, right? Like when we have fear, when we feel fear or anger, like that feels really uncomfortable, but it doesn't mean the emotion itself is bad, right? It's just, we label it as bad because it, it it's really, really uncomfortable. But emotion, very much like pain, is just letting us know that, hey, this is impacting you in a certain way and we gotta deal with this. So a lot of times people want to avoid the unfamiliar and the uncomfortable and they, they, they just don't want to deal with it. So very much kind of like people who want to avoid, you know, diving into unconventional movement and, and steel maces and all the things. It's like, okay, what else in your life emotionally and spiritually are you avoiding because it's uncomfortable? It's not necessarily a bad thing. These emotions aren't bad. They just, they need to be released and, and expressed so that you can create some energetic space in your body. And you're right, like every time I have, you know, it, every day people are crying in here. Like I tissue, like I, I stocked up on tissues in here because <laughs> everybody's, they're crying, they're, you know, they're yelling, they're screaming and I encourage it because all of that emotion gets stored in the body, in the, in the nervous system. And once we allow it to express, it's, it's incredibly freeing. You know, and it's a little bit exhausting too. So yes, I'll come in and I'll use acupuncture to just settle them back down and let them just kind of get familiar with the new space that they created in their in their energy in their body. And um, it's 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 really powerful. And that's not something that is typically addressed in conventional sports medicine clinics. No, um, not at all. Or just like all. if you just go to the gym and you pump with the bros or whatever. Yeah. 
none of that stuff is going on. Nobody wants to. <laughs> but they're all walking around there like with repressed emotions. All those guys, like these big, you know, these big, you know, guys with big muscles and powerlifting. There are there are some hurt little boys in every single one of them. Yeah, that's a good point. There was this guy. Um, I don't know who he's not a friend of mine. If he's ever watching this episode, he'll know it's him, but I doubt he ever will. But uh, yeah. he had a tattoo, jacked arms, huge shoulders. This guy had yeah. shoulders to die for. And his tattoo said, trust no one. Mm, and wow. I was like, wow, that guy, you know, he probably had a father who, you know, hurt mm -hmm. him very severely. And now he's just slamming weights like out of control. And But his, yes, physique through you know unbelievable but how much torment he must be carrying with him especially yeah. to get the tattoo right yeah that's like a that's like a guard right <laughs> just straight yeah. up don't don't come near me well like, I, yeah. right i always thought to myself like how does he attract a girl i mean the first thing she sees when when his shirt is off is that it's like oh man yeah. how are you gonna explain that one yeah that's well i mean but imagine what that man could accomplish if he was provided a safe container to express whatever is behind that tattoo, the energy and the emotion behind that tattoo, right? First, it's probably going to come out as anger or resentment or rage. But what's underneath all of that is something a little bit more vulnerable. If he's like this big, strong, masculine guy, men in our society are, well, in, a, in our in our generation, Fred, they were you know we're men don't show emotion. Men aren't supposed to cry. Boys don't cry, right? But that's one of the most damaging things to a masculine man is is not allowing him to express whatever it is he's feeling, right? Because that man who isn't carrying a lot of hurt and or trauma, that's a that's a powerful man. That is a conscious man that can really make an impact on the collective. And that's the kind of man we need right now, right? That that man who isn't afraid to allow his expression to come through. It, if it comes out as anger first, it's that's like the bodyguard, that anger, that fear, that um, that like, you know, that aggression. Fear. That, that's a defense mechanism. That's protecting something that's more vulnerable underneath that he doesn't necessarily want to show. And I don't know this guy. And this is just, you know, just my own. Yeah. Just a, you know, guess, essentially. But it's very common, right? When you react with anger, it's because it's there's something more vulnerable underneath it that it's trying to protect. And that's a, just a, that's ego. That's an egoic response. And, you know, I've done that my whole life, too. Well, not my whole life, but, you know, I've been in situations in my life and relationships where I've reacted in anger and defensiveness. But what I was really feeling underneath that was hurt. Yeah. You know, and we don't like to feel vulnerable, right? Because our nervous systems like safety. Yeah. And when we feel vulnerable, when we express vulnerability, that's not necessarily a safe thing for us to feel. So we avoid it. We fight or flight. We, run, we avoid it. We run away from it. You know, I, so I see her are breathing both. and in a state. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was I was just going to say, like, I want my clinic to be that 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 safe container for whoever comes through to allow them to express. That's how we're going to move through. So that's one of the another one of the reasons why I work one on one with my patients is because of that reason is I want to create that 
container, especially if it's a man, you know, a big masculine, you know, athletic man who needs to cry. I want to be able to hold that space for him to allow him to do that because he's going to come out on the other end way stronger and way more centered. And yeah. he's going to impact not just, you know, himself, but like, you know, his family, his, the woman in his life, his kids, his community. So yes, I am all in favor for expressing that emotion, um, man or woman. It's, it's important. So if I can help you out with this, like, pitch that you're given here in case any dudes are listening and you're like, yeah, I don't want to cry or whatever. Yeah. So to, to your point, um, I think this will be helpful for guys to hear coming from a guy. So mm-hmm. um, we're all, we're all human. So we all have anger, fear, and, and emotions and guys do repress their, their, their emotions a lot. And especially fear. They don't want to show fear at all. Never show fear because that yeah. means you're weak. So uh, for me, I I now have a 10-year-old daughter, and I've probably cried because of her, just thinking about her, watching her perform on stage when she dances, and I got tears in my eyes. And because of that, I was starting to actually recognize when I was having fear issues. All guys have fear issues. That's normal. It's what we do with them is what matters so just recognizing when um uh, i had fear was a big change for me because i learned how to not get rid of it because you don't get rid of it you learn to live with it and treat it like a thing that you should treat with respect but it's not the thing that's going to run you like fear usually runs people so dr sarah i love that alone about you uh despite all your other stuff you're doing i see a society right now that's full of fear and anxiety and i believe people such as yourself are going to become pillars in society because when they start to see that this fear is starting to wrap them up and and run their lives rampant they could go to somebody such as yourself and learn not only to just physically feel better but learn to to deal better with it and Absolutely. so uh, kudos to you for, for approaching things like there, your, your practice has so much depth. It's unbelievable. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. That, that, that hits me right here in the heart. <laughs> so thank you for that. I think that's what um, I liked about your Instagram. Like you just, you got good vibes coming off, uh, naturally, you know, you're, you're it's, I recommend. And Oh, uh, before I forget, you also, we're on another podcast called Becoming Legendary, the Becoming Legendary podcast on YouTube. A little shout out for them in case you want to follow up and see what Dr. Sarah has to say over there. Uh, probably a different conversation. So you get to learn more about her. Um, and also, I wanted to ask you uh, uh, about gratitude. It seems like you do. Do you do a gratitude practice? Every day. How does that and, look? What, what do you do? What, what do I, how do I practice gratitude? Yeah. Um, from a day-to-day standpoint, I, I, I have a morning routine that I like to do just to get myself centered. And that morning routine, you know, I wake up, I do my lemon water and the whole thing, but I sit and I write in a journal and I start with the things that I'm grateful for. Um, you know, gratitude, you know, I have it tattooed right here on my arm. It's oh. great here on my arm. Um, I guess it, I asked a good question here. Yeah, it's a it's a superpower, honestly, because when you can get to a point of 
unconditional gratitude. You can be great. You can honor the things, the challenges that got you to the place that you are here today, right? All the blessings that you have in your life don't always have to be sunshine and rainbows. They can be the hard times. They can be the struggles. They can be the yeah. abuse, the trauma. And when you go inward and you, and you um, have intent, right? Um, and you, you center yourself around, gosh, if it wasn't for this traumatic experience, I wouldn't be the woman that I am here today. And I wouldn't be having the impact that I'm having here today. And as you mentioned, like my practice has evolved into very holistic and I, I do things very differently than most physical therapists. And I talk about things like emotion. I talk about, you know, things like spirituality and connecting to your, your being. And that's, you know, I didn't get there just because I went to, you know, school. <laughs> it's because of life, you know, things that happened in my life that taught me how to be grateful and being grateful for the bullshit, especially like the hard time. I can cuss on here, right? Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. People have said worse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm actually surprised I haven't dropped an F-bomb yet, but, um, <laughs> but, you know, getting to that point where you can be grateful for the thing that challenged you the most, that's when you really made it. And that's where you can like rise above and really find out what you're made of. Cause that takes a lot of strength. It yeah. takes forgiveness. It takes love to do that. Love for self. And that's really, really hard to do, but a daily practice. So for anyone that, you know, is maybe looking to get started into like delving into their own, you know, personal growth and, and, and tapping into their, their spiritual aspect of their bodies, start with a gratitude list. You know, get a piece of paper and literally write out 10 things that you are grateful for and what they do for you. Why, why are you grateful for them? You know, every single day and let that be how you start your day. You know, let carry that energy with you rather than, you know, you know, hurrying through your, you know, drinking a cup of coffee and running out the door and like chaos. Stop and slow down and fill yourself with gratitude, with love and let that be your basis. Let that be your you know, your energy that carries you throughout your day and watch how your day changes. Watch how everything changes. Now, does it have to be in the morning or can you also do it at night before you go to bed? There's no bad time for gratitude, Fred. <laughs> okay. And <laughs> what about if you are um, stuck? Like today I wrote down these five things and then the next day, all I can think about is those five things again. Should I just write them again or? Absolutely. I mean, the gratitude doesn't go away. Right. Right. You're just it doesn't go away. That's what so, your gratitude for. So you just yeah. Stick with it. And you know what I would encourage you to do is maybe explore that same topic from a different angle. Right. So oh. you know something that you're grateful for. You know I'm grateful for you know the sunshine. Right. It feels good. Right. It makes makes me gives me vitamin D. Right. That's one thing I'm grateful for for the sun. But what else does the sun do for you? Hmm. Right. You can be grateful for this one thing, but it's probably not just one thing that this thing gives you. It's probably a lot of, uh, it, it probably reaches into a lot of other aspects of your life and your, you know, uh, in your day to day and your relationships and all the things. So it's okay. Like revisit that thing that your gratitude, but think around it, think, think in 360 around that thing. What else does it do for you that it's, you know, that it's keeping your attention. 
That's great. Now, speaking of 360s, let's get back to the steel mace before we go. Uh, Do you do 360s? I'm practicing. I'm practicing. I haven't quite gotten my technique down. Um, But yes, 360s are awesome. Such a good exercise. Oh, good. (laughs) Yeah. Because, because, you know, the... The ongoing joke on the podcast here is I always like to ask the the steel mace swinger, the practitioner, about, oh, your shoulders must be so badly damaged from all those swings because that's all I ever hear people say that don't swing. They say, oh, your shoulders are going to be destroyed. So that's my my uh, running joke. Uh, but you beat me to the punch. You basically said no. It's good for you. It's awesome. That's and a doctor, just- everybody. Yeah. I mean, the three, six, I mean, anything you do with a steel mace is not just your shoulders. There's going, there's going to be an impact on your spine. There's going to be, you need weight distribution. You need rotational uh, stability. Mm. So it's not just a shoulder exercise. Um, and if there is pain, right? Like if someone's, if someone's just picking up a mace for the first time and they try to do a 360, I mean, they're probably not, it's not going to feel good in their body. If they're trying to do it just like copying, you know, what they saw on Instagram without having instruction, they're probably not going to feel good. But a 360, and again, anything you do with a mace, it's, it's a whole body experience. And so if they're having troubles in their shoulders, I want to take a look at what's happening in their spine, what's happening in their hips, what's happening at their feet and their ankle. Yeah. Right. So it, it's not a shoulder thing. It's a whole, whole body thing. So 360s are an amazing exercise. Um, and if someone's having trouble with it, then, you know, I would encourage them to get with someone who actually knows how to coach this dynamic movement because there's a lot of benefit to it. That's great yeah. stuff. That, that, Like I said, everybody, we have another doctor on the podcast out of quite a handful already who have been on who have endorsed steel mace swings and um, just using clubs and rotational uh, training altogether. And, um, you know, as we're waiting for scientists to do the research so we have something tangible to work with, we're going to use this anecdotal evidence that we've been building up over the years. Uh, Steel Mace Station podcast going on almost four years now. Not a complaint. People's People saying they've healed micro tears, things like that. Uh, everybody loves the mace. Nobody's ever put it down and said, no way. I don't ever want to swing that thing again. It seems like they just keep collecting more and more mace in their stockpile and switching more and more people on in their in their world around them. And that's what Dr. Sarah is doing. Doctor, tell us how, um, you know, tell us your social media, where you want people to go to check you out. Um, and what, you know, they could see over there. Yeah, sure. Um, so my Instagram is at Dr. Sarah Azadorian, and that's S-A-R-A, uh, no H on that, Sarah. And uh, my website is drsarah.net. That's D-R-S-A-R-A dot net. And uh, I actually have, at the end of this month, I'm actually going to be offering a free breathwork event. So if anyone out there is interested in learning how to breathe the way that I teach it here in clinic, um, keep an eye out for that. I'm going to be announcing that later this week on Instagram. Oh, that's great. You know, that was supposed to be one of my questions, but we'll wait for that. I was going to ask you something about something simple people could do, but I think sure. we should wait for that because I'm sure you're going to start us off with something simple. And then you're, how is it, how do you want to uh, run that? That Yeah. Uh, well, actually um, later this week, I'm going to be also releasing a new um, 
uh, gift um, to your listeners and to all my followers. Um, it is a recording of a daily breathwork practice, and that will be available by the end of this week um, on my Instagram page for free. So for anyone that wants to do like a quick, um, like three to five minute breathwork exercise, um, the way, again, the way that I teach it here in clinic, that will be available by the end of this week. Oh, that's great. Okay. I'm going to definitely check that out because I like what you said earlier about, you know, pairing your breath work up with your mace work. And for meatheads out there that are just, you know, touching upon steel mace and you're doing traditional weight training, you guys know how important breath is. So I think it's a great way to complement your training. Um, so we're definitely going to be tuning in for that. Uh, follow Dr. Sarah on her Instagram and, um, yeah, that's it. I appreciate you coming on and I appreciate everybody listening. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Anytime you want to come back, come on back. And thanks everybody once again. We'll see you at the next episode.